You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We're here for a Roundup Tuesday. Keep in mind, we took Monday off for the holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so we wanted to honor that, take the day off, but now we have to catch up, and uh, we'll do that with a little extra Roundup, a little change it up here from the usual week. So Roundup Tuesday, so we'll look back on the results of the Four NFL Divisional Playoff games. Congratulations to the Packers, Bills, Chiefs, and Buccaneers. They're advancing to the conference championship games this weekend to see who decides who goes to Super Bowl 55. Right now, Sporting News, we've got the early picks there straight up and against the spread, breaking down these games for you. But before we do that here on Locked on Fantasy Football in Depth, and we'll take each game there, we'll take the NFC for you first on a matchup Wednesday, the AFC for you next on uh, Matchup Thursday. Before we do that, we want to look back and uh, look at the most important fantasy football takeaways here from the games over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. What we'll do is uh, we'll knock out the two uh, Saturday games in our first segment and uh, give the two Sunday games, which had a lot more going on their own segments here in the final two. So we'll get to all of them here. Let's dive right in, uh, shall we? The Rams and Packers were our first matchup. The Packers win that one. As the number one seed in the NFC, 32-18 to home. Let's uh, start with the home team takeaways here. Aaron Rodgers, solid 296-2. and two, Ends up with 8.2 yards per attempt. But a lot of dinking and dunking. The game seemed like it wasn't going to be great for him. But the play action eventually opened up. They ran for 188 yards in this game. Interesting that they had 36 pass attempts here. 36 dropbacks. And you had 36 rush attempts. So perfectly balanced. The Packers attack. That set up uh, the 188 on the ground, sets up the 58-yard touchdown to put the game away in the fourth quarter. So play-action shot there from Rodgers to Alan Lazard. And we knew that Lazard and Marcus Valdez-Scanling could have a role away from Jalen Ramsey with Devontae Adams having that spot. They both had eight targets, uh, second to Adams' 10, but four for 96 and a score on that 58-yarder. That was different. So he got the deep shot and MVS didn't, four for 33 there. So... Good coverage on those guys. They only had 50% catch rate. Adams had a 90% catch rate, but they were all short away from Jalen Ramsey, including the touchdown over. They ran him across the formation in the red zone. That's what Adams does. He's a great red zone receiver, 9 for 66, so not a great average of 7.3, but gets in the end zone here, as well as Lazard. Robert Tunyon, pretty solid here. We know the Rams had trouble with the tight end, that he was the most effective receiver, most efficient. Caught all four of his targets for 60 yards, so... Yeah, with the Packers, it's uh, who's going to step up elsewhere. You had a big play by Equinemius St. Brown early. That was about it. But you had uh, Lazard get the bomb from Rodgers that MBS didn't hear to really help his value. In the running game, great game by Aaron Jones. Keep in mind, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, both free agents next year, so playing for some money, whether it's from the Packers or elsewhere. 15 touches for Jones, one catch for 14. 14 for 99 on the ground. He had a 60-yard run and most of his damage in the second half, they were calculated by using Jones. There are a lot of Williams and A.J. Dillon who got hurt. So 
We'll see if Dylan can play the rookie from Boston College. But Williams looked very good, 12 for 65, 1499, and that score for Jones there, capping off that drive in the third quarter when he had the 60-yard run. So Jones looks really good. Tough matchup coming ahead against the Buccaneers run defense. So there's something to watch there. And why not have Dylan there? And I don't think that's the best approach to attack the Bucs anyway. But nice game from Jones as the Packers really took it to Aaron Donald. I know he had the ribs injury, but they worked to pound it inside, wear him down. And this uh, Rams pass rush was pretty anemic. Couldn't get after Aaron Rodgers and just wore down at the end as the Rodgers and the Packers kind of controlled the action in this game. And uh, again, Adams... Uh, Again, Ramsey, you knew it was going to be on him a lot, but good scheming by the Packers, picking their spots to get the ball at Adams, especially in the red zone, and he came through there. Rough game for Jared Goff. He was actually pretty efficient. Uh, 174 through the air and a TD, rating of 105.9, which is pretty remarkable there. Took four sacks over in this game. A lot of pressure from the Packers front. The game script didn't go in the Rams' favor. I think they went ahead and went away from this too early, the running game. When he had Cam Makers, 18 carries, 90 yards, and a touchdown, he also had one catch for six yards. They could have given him a lot more touches in this one, especially considering this game was one possession all all the way for a good chunk of the second half until that Packers long touchdown to Alan Lazard. So Goff, there's a lot of question marks. Is he the guy here? He actually played pretty well given the circumstances with the broken thumb or, or injured thumb. No Cooper Cup there in the slot. He was inactive for this game. He had to adjust to rookie Van Jefferson. He had a nice game, 6 for 46 in a TD on seven targets. He got the second most beyond Robert Woods. So Jefferson could be in line for an expanded role. Josh Reynolds, 3 for 65 in terms of receiving yards, led the team there on his four targets. But Woods with Jair Alexander and this good secondary on the other side, limited to eight catches for 48 on 10 targets. So not a lot of downfield effectiveness for the Rams with the Packers' good pass rush. Again, they could have... Stayed with the run a little bit more. It would open up downfield play action a little bit better for Jared Goff here to ease him uh, into this. But, again, just didn't happen. Akers, again, looks like a special feature back here in year two. Fully healthy down the stretch as a rookie, and they load him up much like they did Todd Gurley early in the tenure of Sean McVay to big results here. So Akers certainly going to be in the conversation of RB1 with this type of volume. And nowhere to be found was Malcolm Brown. The other run was uh, by Goff. In this one, so interesting for sure. But Akers certainly can creep into the RB one conversation. We'll see what they do with Woods, Jefferson, Reynolds, and Cup. Cup has the new contract, so he's good to go there in the slot. Woods on the outside. We'll see. It'll be an interesting battle to see if Jefferson gets a bigger role than Reynolds in those eleven personnel. We'll have to see what they do with their two tight ends. Gerald Everett, free agent here. Uh, Tyler Higby was hardly involved at all. So. Looking at this, the Rams had a lot of questions. Number one is how much do they trust Jared Goff? How are they going to adjust their receiving core? But Akers seems to be definitively the way they're going to go in the backfield here in 2021. Now let's go to the other game. This was very disappointing. Uh, this AFC kickoff there at night, Sunday night football, Saturday night football, Sunday night football on Saturday here on NBC. Bills 17, Ravens 3. So the Ravens don't manage an offensive touchdown here. The Bills only had one because their other one was on a pick six by Teron Johnson. So let's uh, start with the Bills and their takeaways. 206-1 for Josh Allen. We knew it was going to be a bit tough against this Ravens uh, defense. Contains the run pretty well. Works against the pass. So really uh, modest numbers for Allen. He didn't uh, break break uh, the 
200-yard barrier till late in this game. We knew it was going to be tough running. It was only 10 touches for 37 yards for Devin Singletary. Not much else to be seen. But Stephon Diggs, we thought, could be the game winner in this one, and he was. 8 for 106, had the touchdown, saw 11 targets in this game. John Brown saw 11 targets as well, 8 for 62. Cole Beasley, coming back, he just wasn't involved as much. He didn't seem all that right working slots, so they needed more from Brown. Gabriel Davis saw four targets, couldn't get open either, the rookie from UCF. So it was the Dixon Brown show, 11 targets each for them. The rest of the team, uh, only 11 targets combined between five players. So really, that's where their main production was. They kept it simple. The Ravens didn't offer much in terms of putting it on the scoreboard. Now, it's a little misleading that the Bills dominated this game defensively because the Ravens still ran for 150 yards in this one. Interesting numbers. Gus Edwards, 10 for 42. J.K. Dobbins, 10 for 42. Dobbins also had a 3 for 51 on five targets. Left a couple plays on the table, however, as a receiver. So this is how it's going to be going forward. They announced a couple days later that Mark Ingram will be released here. So Edwards Dobbins is going to be the future of this backfield. Dobbins, as I think... With his scoring ability and receiving ability, I think he's a back-end RB1 at worst, a high-end RB2. Gus Edwards, an appealing RB2 flex for next year, given the nature of this Ravens offense, assuming Greg Roman, they're going to go forward with this plan going forward. The one thing uh, that uh, you do want from the Ravens is a little bit more passing consistency. Missed some big plays to Marquise Brown. You're 4 for 87, 7 targets, but we know that Jackson missed him on a opportunity and so did uh, Tyler Huntley coming in after Lamar Jackson was concussed late in that game. Brown was wide open for a long touchdown. It could have been something like 150 with a touchdown in this one. So Brown did finish the season strong but to me he's a Z speed receiver. He needs a little bit of help there with a consistent uh, guy on the outside or in the slot. You had uh, Willie Sneed. He was open for most of the game. Just a limited receiver however. Only turned his five targets into five catches for 25 yards. Miles Boykin He's been disappointing. He's not been that consistent outside number two, three for 20 on four targets. Boykin and Brown seem a little bit uh, redundant with their skill set at times, that they're both speedy guys on the outside. So this Ravens team really needs to look at an upgrade with a more dynamic slot from Willie Sneed or look at that real true X receiver as a complete receiver who can get open there in all kinds of situations, not just a deep threat here for the Ravens, so yeah, definitely they need to upgrade the receiving core beyond uh, trying to get Des Bryant to work in there. That, that was just a bit of a desperation move. It would not surprise me if they used the first round pick late in the NFL draft here to get another receiver, either a slot or that traditional big size guy who can go up and make catches. Maybe Jalen Waddle will be available there. So players like that, and uh, we'll talk about. Ravens where they could go and when we break down our next mock draft here for 2021. Lamar Jackson, what can you say of the pick six? 162, 9 for 34, only on the ground. Just a really disappointing game for Lamar with all the momentum he had from the previous game. They're winning against the Titans. That all kind of went away in this one. So Lamar, at the crossroads. It's going to be a big offseason ahead to try to help Lamar better here for your Baltimore Ravens and the Bills move on. Congratulations to them. Diggs and Allen figured to be the centerpiece again when they play the Chiefs in the championship game. All right, so there's a breakdown of those two games. We'll take our final two segments, uh, one game apiece there. But before we do that, we're ready for some more football here. We've got championship weekend here. Then we're going to have Super Bowl 55. you got uh, college basketball and NBA in full swing 
here. Uh, we want to take advantage of the action when it's available, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code LOCKDOWN for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get on on the action now. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKDOWN to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We'll be right back here to break down the Sunday divisional playoff matinee between the Browns and the Chiefs. All right, uh, we do want to get into our next game here, uh, our 2021 Divisional Playoffs uh, Fantasy Football Takeaways. We'll look at the Chiefs and Browns next. But we're glad that 2020 is mercifully over. It's time for a fresh start and a few more wins in 2021. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, let's uh, look at this game, shall we? Uh, the Browns losing to the Chiefs, 22-17. to Let's start with the Chiefs. There's a lot going on there. Patrick Mahomes, before he had that uh, scary injury in the third quarter, looked like a concussion. He was in the protocol, felt awkwardly with uh, Mac Wilson, the linebacker, but turned out to be a neck-nerve issue that kept him out. They are being careful with him. But before he did that, he had a solid game, not spectacular. The Browns... Contained a little bit of the downfield plays, but still 21 of 30, 255 in a TD. The Chiefs probably win this game a lot bigger than 22-17. stayed in to put them away in the final quarter, and they didn't score. They ended up with only one field goal in the third quarter and couldn't score again with uh, Mahomes out. So he did uh, have 14 yards rushing and a score as well with the 255 and one through the air. Chad Henney came in, again, I wouldn't feel a lot confident about him, but I think he could be a value play against the Bills if Mahomes, for some reason, would have to miss the game. 6 for 8 for 66, threw a bad interception into the end zone that turned out to be like an arm punt, but most impressive play Henney made was a 13-yard scramble there late in the game, trying to get a first down, then next play, short pass to Tyreek Hill, gets past the marker, gets down, game over there for the Chiefs, so... Chad Henney didn't make a lot of plays, but he made enough plays to put this game away with the lead. So there was that. Uh, they kind of cl- clung desperately to that lead, and Henney came through with a couple plays to make it. So it was pretty much the Hill and Kelsey show. Tyreek, 3-for-9 on the ground to add to 8-for-110, and that uh, clutch catch. He had 10 targets. Kelsey was also very efficient, 8-for-109 on 11 targets, plus a TD. So... Big season from Kelsey continues. Another great matchup next week against the Bills. He scored twice against them in the regular season. Hill was bottled up against the Bills, but again, big factor again. They schemed him open. They had Denzel Warren on the other side. It didn't seem to matter. They worked Hill and Kelsey on the inside so well. And really the third receiver that stepped up was Miko Hardman. Caught all four of his targets for 58 yards. Darrell Williams in the ground game, pretty good story here. Four catches for 16 for him, but also 13 rushes, 78. They run for 123. They outrush the Browns, they rush the ball at the same clip. They stick with the run a little bit more and were rewarded in this one. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still couldn't quite return that ankle injury. We'll see if he does. He did have 161 yards rushing against the Bills in the first meeting, but they'd be fully confident with Darrell Williams, who was the best back on the field overall in terms of running and catching, outplayed both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the other side. So that tells you something how strong the Chiefs' running system is and their overall offensive system that's going to help uh, guys like Henny. And uh, Williams be super subs in this one. But they really need Mahomes to put up the numbers there against the Bills and win that game. 
And no Sammy Watkins again. It's kind of a lot of hard men after Hill and Kelsey and not much else of anyone other than the checkdowns to Williams. Uh, one catch for Demarcus Robinson on three targets. Two catches for Byron Kringle, three targets. So it's really hard to trust any of those extra receivers because you want to, but it seems like they're just fine if Hill and Kelsey get open, which is most games, to just go that route. And the running game, good development here. LeVan Bell, just an afterthought, really, without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We thought he was going to see some touches, but only two for six yards. It only saw two targets in the passing game, didn't catch either. So Williams is the guy they trust a little bit more in the offense. He's had more experience. They do like him as a power runner and as well on third downs and pass protection. So that really helps Darrell Williams stay on the field over Bell, the experience, and the trust factor there from Andy Reid. Now, for the other side, Baker Mayfield, 23 for 37. So, surprising, they dropped back 38 times in this game. He was sacked once, also threw a bad interception, forcing the ball to Jarvis Landry in the middle field, which he didn't do much in this game, but Tyron Matthew picked it off. The touchdown went to Jarvis Landry as well. 7 for 20, weird line for him. 7 catches, 20 yards, and that score on 10 targets for Landry. Rashard Higgins, uh, 5 for 80 and 7 targets. Unfortunately, he lost that fumble to touchback. That went the Chiefs' favor near the goal line after the hit by Daniel Sorensen. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I thought they could have got him more involved, but only one catch for 23 yards. So we'll see. Maybe this is the 11 personnel that's better for Baker Mayfield, Higgins, Peoples-Jones, and Landry. Without Odell Beckham Jr., will they move on? We'll have to see about that. But there was certainly a little bit of burden lifted from Mayfield when he had to throw mainly to Higgins and Peoples-Jones on the outside to compliment Landry here. David Joke, remember how unhappy he was at one point? He ends up with four catches for 59 yards, including a 27-yarder and five targets. He actually outproduced Austin Hooper. So we'll see how they work it. Do they go to the 12 personnel with the two tight ends and trust Joker and Hooper? Do they like their 11 a little bit more with Higgins, Peoples, Jones, and Landry? Is Beckham out of the mix? A lot of question marks there. Now, in the running game, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, I thought I was going to see a lot more, but basically 2-1, to one, 13 carries for Chubb, 68, and 6 for 32, for Hunt, both averaged uh, 5.3 yards per carry. Hunt got the touchdown against his former team. What was surprising is they forced the ball in the passing game to Chubb. Well, he only caught two of his five targets for four yards, while Hunt only had one catch here. So bad game plan in that sense, not to get the backs involved consistently. They waited. They kind of anticipated the Chiefs were going to sell and get the run, took themselves out of their running early. Then they realized the game's close. Let's run the ball. And by then it was too late to get that going to close the deficit here. And again, Hunt, just a head-scratcher how they didn't try to involve him a little bit more in the passing game out of the backfield. And uh, those two missed plays with Chubb, I think, really hurt here in this game as a receiver in situational football for the Browns. Okay, so there you have a look at that game. We still need to talk about our uh, final game, the best, I think, overall until uh, the final part of it. Uh, the Bucks beat the Saints 30-20, so we'll get into a breakdown of that game in our final segment. But first, got to tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? Choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home in your pocket. At rockout.com, you'll find a massive catalog that's unique and remarkably easy. Navigate quickly, see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brand specifications and most important prices you prefer. At rockout.com, you'll find everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's you, the classic driver, you, the daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, as I mentioned, prices at rockout.com are always reliably low, the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. 
Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? To save now, go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there, how did you hear us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's rockauto.com. We'll be right back here to break down what we saw in the Bucks upset win over the Saints. All right, one last game to talk about here. The Bucks beating the Saints 30-20 to to advance to the championship game against the Packers. But first, I've got to tell you from some NFL teams that aren't in the playoffs, uh, that's most of them at this point, the work is just beginning. Join Trevor Sikkim and Benjamin Solak of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast every Tuesday as they start their team takeover Tuesday afternoon offseason series. Each week they pick a new team, take a deep dive into potential front office and head coaching signings, a roster view, free agent strategies, and go through a team-centric mock draft. That's every Tuesday over at Locked On NFL Draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the Bucks Saints, this one was interesting for sure. The Bucks kind of flipped the tables from the regular season matchups when they got swept and dominated 30-20. This time it was Drew Brees making the big mistakes here. So let's start with the home team here and their defeat. Rough outing for Drew Brees, 134, a TD3 interception, only 19 for 34, 3.9 yards per carry. So... Great job by the Bucks defense all over the field. Linebacker, secondary, they really contained Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, the rest of his team. The only uh, guy that really got free was Traquan Smith. So if you took a dart throw and a bargain play on him, you were really rewarded. Uh, three catches for 85 yards and a couple TDs. The 56-yarder from Jameis Winston, a little trick play there was really impressive. That was the best throw of the night from the Bucks, and it was not from their starting quarterback. So Winston came off the bench. Through that 56-yard score, Smith caught a short one from Breeze early in the game. So, really, Sanders and Michael Thomas just kind of disappeared in this game. Sanders at least had six catches for 48 and nine targets, but Michael Thomas blanked on four targets. That tells you just isn't right when he puts up those type of numbers. Michael Thomas, remember, he was the most reliable thing in fantasy football, but now banged up. They really bottled him up and forced Breeze to go to Smith Moore and Sanders, and the results weren't good. He went to Jared Cook as well, but Cook fumbled, so that was a fourth turnover. So a really disappointing game for Sanders and Cook, especially when they needed it with Thomas being bottled up by Carlton Davis the size of him and others. Alvin Kamara, a disappointing game really overall for him. He did have 4.7 yards per carry, 18 for 85. They didn't run the, run the ball really well, but I think he was really hurt by no Latavius Murray as a change of pace or Taysom Hill, and that also hurt Drew Brees a little bit as well, not having that hill wrinkle to throw in at times for the Saints, but okay game from Kamara. He ends up with 105 from scrimmage on 21 touches, but no scores, which is really hard to fathom here in a game where the Saints need to really rely on the short passing game and the running game, but again, Smith was the only fantasy football asset that really exploded for the Saints. Kamara, certainly if you paid up for him, you didn't get that return on investment with no trips in the end zone. So, yeah, really disappointing performance all around by the Saints offense, other than Smith. I mean, Sanders Cook, uh, you didn't see too much uh, there in the passing game. and So it wasn't all Drew Brees' fault. There was a disconnect with Alvin Kamara that led to the second touchdown. It was a desperation heat for the third. Just a great to jump route on the first one by uh, Devin White, who made a big impact. The linebacker coming back, the, the second-year guy, he's had up-and-down season, has had some lapses, hasn't been fully healthy, but Devin White... 
what a big impact in this game in IDP with his uh, involvement all over the field here. And uh, the Saints simply did not have any answers here to throw the ball downfield. One big play is all they got. And they were fortunate that it wasn't a worse beat down here by the Bucks. 199 and 2 for Tom Brady. So not the most exciting, but he ends up with a quarterback sneak as well that gets him in the end zone. So we need to Brady's going to be a good value. He was. He gets the Troika of TDs versus Breeze getting the Troika of interceptions. But it wasn't easy, but 199-2 plus a third on the ground. You'll take any time from your quarterback fantasy football-wise, whether it's regular season or playoffs. The story here was Leonard Fournette. The Saints' run defense is pretty tough, and it was pretty tough, but the biggest thing was the Bucks stuck with the run here. 34 dropbacks for Brady, but 35 rushing attempts. So they were a run-heavier team in a matchup where it didn't necessarily call for it, but Leonard Fournette rewarded them. 17 carries for 63. That wasn't pretty, but the biggest impact was the five catches for 44 yards, second on the team on six targets. So once they went away from forcing the ball downfield, that's why Tom Brady's completion percentage wasn't great at 15 misses in this one. They forced it downfield, saw some single coverage opportunities, couldn't quite hit with Gronkowski on one, Chris Godwin on another, Antonio Brown. So once they started dinking and dunking and they saw Fournette could uh, be a factor here in the passing game, it was great. So Fournette ends up with 22 touches, 107 in that score. So good value here. Ronald Jones actually did play. It was more of the closer change of pace. He looked really good. 13 carries for 62. Good burst in the second half for Jones. But Fournette, they thought he could impact them as a receiver, and he did. Cameron Braid ended up leading the team in receiving yards. 4 for 50 on 5. Chris Godwin... Saw a lot of key targets, had a couple drops, could have had a touchdown, only four for 34 on seven. Scotty Miller made one gigantic play on his two targets for 29 yards. Tyler Johnson made a gigantic play with his hands, one catch for 15. Antonio Brown had an exit, we're not sure exactly what the injury was, lower body looked like it, so he couldn't be missing this game against the Packers. Rob Gronkowski only one catch for 14 yards on five targets, so all the principles for the Bucks. we thought Godwin could eat it up. We're not surprised that uh, Mike Evans was bottled up by Marshall Lattimore. Go figure. He only has one catch on three targets for three yards, but it ends up being a touchdown. So Godwin and Gronk both had some red zone opportunities there that they just fell short of. There, again, Miller and Johnson had to pick up the slack for Brown. So pretty ugly passing game overall. If you played Braid and made that pivot, you got decent return on that investment. Fournette certainly was big-time investment return here with his uh, overall work from scrimmage with the over 20 touches in this game. So we didn't necessarily see that coming, but they overcorrected from the last matchup where Fournette in the running game did almost nothing, almost took a zero there. So good adjustment. Again, we go into this uh, championship game. Mike Evans could step in another tough matchup with Jair Alexander, going from Marshawn Lattimore to Alexander. Pretty tough for him. Expect Godwin to rebound. And we'll see who's going to be the third consistent receiver if Brown has to miss the game. He figured Miller and Johnson will kind of split that based on the situation. Packers are pretty good against the tight end, but Gronkowski did have a big game against them the first time around in the route of the Buccaneers in Week 6, 38-10. So we'll see how that plays out. But again, this running game for the Bucks coming alive at the right time. Their commitment to it was big in this game with Fournette and Jones. And the Packers, we know, have had struggles against the run. All season, again, good adjustment for Brady to use Brait, Miller, and Johnson in key situations when it wasn't working for Evans Gronkowski with no Brown and uh, Godwin having a few reception problems in the game. 
So the Bucks move on. The Saints uh, move into the offseason, trying to figure out some more answers. So does Drew Brees return? We'll have to see that. Does Taysom Hill take over as a quarterback and creep into the quarterback one conversation for fantasy? All kinds of things the Saints need to answer. The Bucks can table all those discussions here, knowing that they'll have Tom Brady back in 2021. There you have it. There's a Roundup Tuesday for you. So we missed our uh, Monday show with the holiday, but uh, we came back here strong. Still got you on track. We will turn our attention, however, to the conference championship games tomorrow with our matchup Wednesday. So we'll break down the Bucks packers first there, the matinee Lambeau Field, and then the nightcap between the Bills and Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. So we'll break those things down. We'll give us a little bit more time to know about the Mahomes' injury as well there on Thursday's show, but yeah. So look forward to that, uh, Bucks-Packers breakdown, and uh, Chiefs-Bills, that uh, will give you a complete show on each of those games. That's how important they are to us here on Lockdown Fantasy Football from a fantasy football and gambling perspective. And then we'll come back, as usual, with a lineup Friday and look at the way to look at the slate on DFS, both if you're playing a Sunday complete slate and if you're playing individual there, showdown lineups for the Buccaneers and Packers and Chiefs Bills. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. See you tomorrow with Matchup Wednesday.